Hello, John from the Lib Dem Podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever, you need a professional-looking online presence and website. Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem Foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Prater Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online and the LD Directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Prater Reigns website at praterains.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. Now, on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem podcast. My name is John Potter and with me today is our newest councillor, the newest Lib Dem councillor. I would like to welcome Liz Barrett. Hello, Liz. Congratulations on your by-election victory last week. Have you recovered? I don't know. It's all just so strange. I still want to Google everybody every time someone says councillor Barrett to me because that's my <laughs> husband because he, he's a councillor in the adjoining ward. So it's, it's still very strange. Um, but it's just it gives you so much legitimacy to get on with making things better for people i think that's the fantastic opportunity that i have now and i am so grateful for that and for obviously our viewers can see you've got lovely lib dem signs behind you saying number one for per city south for all our podcast listeners obviously liz was there and there was a, there was two by-elections in in perth uh both snp uh defenses and we won one of them and it was a it was a fantastic win we should just point out because you did come from third you overtook the tories and then went on to to beat the snp as well so we'll talk a little bit about the intricacies because obviously unlike in england it's not first past the post uh, you use the, uh, a, a basically an alternative vote system almost in, in, in this one because it's a, a single, it was a single election. Mm-hmm. Um, but firstly, just talk about, um, I mean, going right the way back, you lost by just 29 votes previously. So did that, I mean, I, I was in a very similar position. The first major campaign I did, I lost by 52 votes or something like wow. that. And, and it spurred me on to think, right, I'm not quitting. I'm going to get out there and keep going. Is that what happened with yourself? That's exactly right, John. And the situation is that um, in that ward, we have had an excellent sitting Lib Dem councillor, Willie Wilson, for the last 40 years. So he was there. He is absolutely religious about putting out his quarterly focused newsletter every three months on the dot. So after the by-election, our next set of elections aren't due until May 2022 because we elect everybody every five years. Um, But after the by-election, we kept me on Willie's focus leaflets um, and we thought that was it, May 2022, here we come, you know, and I was involved in doing casework, you know, during that period anyway. But sadly, in January, in in, uh, two years ago, Councillor Bob Band, one of the SNP councillors, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So we knew there was going to be another by-election. We, he, Bob, was, I mean, he's a lovely man. He was given um, three months and then he was given another three months. But we really thought the by-election would be in 2019. Mm. So we spent the whole of, we, we have spent two, this is what many people have referred to as the longest by-election campaign in history. <laughs> because we have, you know, since, since two years ago, uh, we've been waiting for this by-election. 
And so, so what was, I mean, obviously once uh, the world's completely changed now and, and, and a lot of us like campaigners like myself and councillors like myself, I think are desperate to try and to get back to as normal campaigning as possible. But obviously that hasn't really happened. I mean, particularly in areas where we've been under quite strong restrictions like we are here in the northwest of England. So what was it like campaigning during COVID? Well, we didn't do, obviously, you know, lockdown, Bob died in March, just at the beginning of lockdown. And so we knew, okay, by-election, sometime, who knows? I mean, we had no idea when things were going to become normal. So in July, when lockdown was eased, we started putting out leaflets again um, because we hadn't, you know, we'd missed the regular quarterly focus. Mm. And we knew that it was okay to do that. I mean, we were very careful about following guidance um, and, you know, I'm really careful about that, but we didn't knock on doors. Um, we, when the by-election date was actually announced, we put out um, a couple of leaflets um, saying, that, saying that I was the candidate. Uh, we did a target letter to postal voters. Um, but we, and then we started knocking on doors in mid-October. So that was after the by-election was actually the date had been set and it was announced in public. We didn't knock, we didn't do any early campaigning at all and I must admit I was quite nervous about knocking on doors I thought people were going to chase us away um, we were at that point uh, Perth was in level two uh, yeah. which which is the same as tier two in England I think more or less um, so things were quite relaxed here um, and also it meant that we could get people could come from other tier two areas to help us um, yeah. At that point, quite a lot of Scotland was in tier two, so that was good. So we had, so we did have help with delivery early on because people could come. So we got the calling leaflet ready. Our, on the doorsteps, we would put the leaflet through the door, ring the doorbell, step back two paces. Person came to the door, tap to the person, point out that we put the leaflets through first, so that we wouldn't have to have contact actually handing over. You could keep the two meter distance. And people really appreciated that, that we had yeah. taken care. Oh, and the really important thing as well, we wore masks all the time. And we didn't okay. take them off. We didn't take them off between houses because that would have meant touching your face. And yeah. you know, it's useless if you do that. So, you know, we walked around with masks on and people, people were so pleased to see us that we had made the effort and were taking care. So was there a, a special I'm your candidate mask or was that or was that too far? <laughs> no, actually, I mean, money is really important in campaigning. Um, and back at the beginning of, you know, back in March, I had actually made and sold face masks yeah. just out of odd material in, to raise party funds. So sometimes I was wearing them, sometimes it was just the blue, you know, basic, which is mm. actually lighter and more comfortable to do things like that yeah. in any way. This podcast has been sponsored by the Katora Coffee Club, the UK's most environmentally friendly coffee club. There are over 400 independent roasters in the UK, each one crafting coffee in their own unique style. Katora Coffee Club works with some of the best to take you on a voyage of coffee discovery. The Katora Coffee Club delivers ethically sourced and independently roast coffee directly to your door. Each month you'll receive between two and four bags of coffee and their monthly extract magazine. With Christmas around the corner, their gift boxes are a perfect present for the coffee lovers in your life. Even better for Lib Dem podcast listeners, use the code BETTERCOFFEE to save 5% on subscriptions and gift boxes for a limited time only. They also have a number 
of V60 gift sets worth £8 to give away. All Katora Coffee Club boxes are carbon negative and offset the CO2. So why not do some good, enjoy some great coffee and check out the website www.katoracoffeeclub.com. Now, back to the podcast. We obviously all local councils, local parties throughout the UK have had to try and figure out the balance to get on their leaflets. You know, it's it's a very it's a very trying time, and so whether that people are going, we I mean the national party guidelines has said you know you've got to take local circumstances. You know, the messaging's got to be right. You know, there there is a pandemic. There's been a lot of deaths and a lot of sadness in the country. So what? But given an election has happened. How did you get that balance right on messaging between electioneering and not being overly political? How could you do that? Well, the, I mean, the first leaflet we put out back in July, the first focus we put out then was thanking everybody from the bottom of our hearts for everything that they had done during lockdown. You know, thanking, thanking obviously the NHS and care staff, but also thanking everybody for following the rules and, you know, taking care and, you know, and, and expressing our sympathy for those who'd lost people. Um, so, you know, so that, that was there. Um, the other thing that I did during lockdown was finally got to grips with sending emails in bulk mm. because I just never had time. Last year, we spent a lot of time doing surveys. It was a constant round, which I'm sure you'll recognize of prepare the walk, put out the survey, put in the data, send, do the street letter, you know, and it was trying to do anything else. So we started sending e-newsletters, and they are very much about what are the latest COVID restrictions because it changes all the time. In simple words, you know, so that people, you know, I would get the actual government stuff and then edit, 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 and make it yeah. simple and just what's relevant to us. A bit of local news, um, a bit of um, the road, what roadworks we knew were coming up and useful information links to things like the government website, NHS, um, the food shares, food bank, um, women's aid, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And we now send that out every two weeks and we've a readership, well, we, we send it to over 350 households in the mm. world. Um, and that helped because that, but that's, I see that, that is a newsletter, that is not politics. We didn't put yeah. politics in that at all until um, the postal votes were about to go out. Yeah. You know, we, we said I was the candidate, but that was it. But we were not ramming policy down people's throats. And and so talk to me about polling day as well. And so what what, what was polling day like? Because uh, obviously there's a we, again it hasn't been decided. There's huge elections coming up in May, uh, and yet the, the obviously the government hasn't yet informed. What so certainly the the English uh, uh, regions have no idea how polling day is going to operate. What was polling day like for you? Um, it wasn't all that different, to be honest. I mean, the, the thing that I should mention that happened to us, though, on Friday the 13th, Perth went into Tier 3. So mm. that was that was two weeks before polling day, and it meant nobody could come and help from outside Perth and Kinross. So we were absolutely on our own. Uh, whereas usually in a by-election, you've got mm. friends, and especially us, because we're right next to North East Fife. We put a huge amount of effort into helping Wendy Chamberlain get elected as an MP. Yay! <laughs> so, you know, there was payback due there, um, but unfortunately I wasn't able to cash in on all of it. Um, <laughs> so, so that was the thing. I mean, on polling day we were a small group, but that meant we targeted much more carefully. There was a limit to what we could do. But it was the usual, you know, we did even poll good morning leaflets, um, and then we switched to door knocking at 10 o'clock, um, and we knocked doors. 
And the, the only thing that was different was we were the only people doing that. Early on in the campaign, the SNP attacked us for knocking on doors and said that we were irresponsible. Actually, at the time, they were putting stuff out, but he wasn't wearing a mask. You know, he, he, he found us because he was campaigning and he wasn't wearing a mask. So, I mean, the hypocrisy was just, you know, right up there and all over yeah. the press. Um, so I, I don't think the other parties were knocking on doors. Um, we weren't aware of it anyway. So, so polling day for us was just the same, you know, go and knock on doors. We had great support on the phones um, and councillor Kevin Lang from Edinburgh couldn't come and help, but he ran the polling day operation and organized the virtual phone banking. I should also mention um, my campaign organizer, Kevin Ashworth was fantastic. He organized Wendy's campaign in Northeast Fife um, and is a good friend and was just brilliant. Um, and Willie Rennie, our Scottish leader, happens to live in Perth and Kinross. So he was able to come and he came up and helped whenever he was free. Um, so really, honestly, polling day didn't feel any different, except, it, well, partly it being November um, and partly because people just aren't used to opening their doors at night. We stopped earlier than we usually do. You know, I think we people had stopped opening their doors by about seven o'clock, which you won't yeah. get on a May evening. Um, no. it, it was a combination of the dark and just people are not used to people you know coming around yeah absolutely so was the telling happening did you have polling station telling happening we don't do that we okay we, we don't tell at polling stations and we decided a while ago that apart from putting out boards like that there yeah. um <laughs> it, it's not worth if people unless it's someone who's desperate to do something and can't knock doors or be on the phones we don't do it it's a better use of people to be we should also talk about now is a little bit of your background and that you've been involved in the community quite a lot. Uh, and so it isn't all just about the hard nuts and bolts uh, of, of political campaigning. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's soft work you do, work within the community. So what, what's your background on that? And I know you've, been, you've, you've won awards, et cetera, on your community work. <laughs> Thank you, John. Um, I've always been, in, I mean, I've been a member of the Lib Dem since 1983, but I've always been involved in volunteering and things as well as Lib Dem stuff. Um, in, at the beginning of lockdown, uh, we, first of all, Pete and I volunteered with the local food bank because it was in danger of closing because all their volunteers were over 70 and they were, you know, the, the guidance was to shield basically. So we got in touch with them to see if they needed help and they desperately did. So I did 50 shifts at the food bank between March and August. Um, then a friend who, was in charge of the the community nurses got in touch um, they'd been allocated a lot of face masks but they couldn't get them to fit properly they weren't neat enough mm -hmm. so they asked um, Wilma just knew that I sold so she got in touch and said can you make something so that we can hook it at the back so that mm -hmm. it can fit properly so we worked out a prototype um, I got in touch we worked out we tested it with the nurses found out what was the best fit. I got in touch with friends, and then I put it in the press, and we ended up with a team of, I think there were 30 or 40 of us sewing, and we made and delivered 1,400 button bands to local nurses and also to staff in care homes, because at that point, care homes were getting no attention at all, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so that was the main thing, I think, that got me induction into the um, Lib Dem Community Champions Hall of Fame back in July. That's um, right. 
I, I, you got what was it? The most inspiring urban activist across the UK is uh, something you picked up. So no, but I mean that just shows you it doesn't always have to be about hard politics. One of the girls who volunteers, she says, "It's just great that you're here and you're approachable, and we know you, and we can talk to you, and you know we know you'll try and get things done." And that's what I, I keep saying to people. I'm not promising I can fix everything, but I am promising that I will listen and I will try and I will tell you. You know, I had a couple who asked me to get slabbing so that he could get his mobility scooter in and out of his council garden. And actually, because his scooter wasn't um, prescribed by OT, the council said they couldn't do anything. And I went round and explained it to them. I got good luck before the election, and she was one of the first to email me afterwards to say congratulations. So. Just because you can't fix everything doesn't mean people won't like you. Yeah, and I, I say that to uh, new activists and uh, all the time in the country. You are not going to be, you are not going to fix the world as a councillor. You are not going to be able to fix every problem. But the amount of people that will be grateful that you've listened and tried is phenomenal and I think that's that is like some absolutely should take that on board and uh, if you are a, a, a new candidate or a new uh, campaigner don't, don't think the world is you have to fix everything that's going on you know you know you uh, just do your best and you know you're amazed at how many people you'll convince that way we'll just talk a little bit about the result and the transferring of votes because you know the political nerd in me loves this uh, and so so UKIP got 18 votes out of them uh, of which half of them well sorry a third of them didn't bother voting for anybody else as their second preference and the majority of those went over to Tory no no great surprise there uh the next up was Greens now out of the 100 I am ashamed to say that I got one transfer from you you did you did I was I wondering that up. but uh, the SNP got two <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yourself, Labour and the Greens all got one from UKIP who, uh, you know, that was that, that's fair enough. It just shows you, you don't know. And actually what this shows as we go through the rest of them is that sometimes think, oh, well, definitely those amount of people are going to vote for this people next. Actually, it's interesting to see where this vote goes. And like I say, the political nerds listening and watching might be very interested because next up is Greens. So out of the 136 Green voters, 22 didn't put a second preference, so it was Green or nothing. So that's fair enough. But then almost half of the Green vote went to the SNP, which is probably not too surprising, would you say? That's not surprising because the Greens support independence. Yep. So I, I would have expected it to be much higher than that, in fact. Because you got you got uh, twenty seven transfers from the Greens, so that was the the next uh, biggest block went to you. Obviously, SNP got sixty, uh, and, and then next up was Labour. Now Labour, now this was interesting. That of the two hundred and twenty four Labour votes, uh, seventy seven didn't bother. That was they didn't have a or had voted for people that had already been eliminated, as in so they could have tried to transfer to Greens, etc. Um, of which you then came up top. You got you got seventy four of those uh, Labour voters to switch to you. Uh, weird enough, sixteen of them went to the Tories still. So you think you know? <laughs> yeah, you, you you can't. It's very interesting. I, I find all this stuff really interesting. And, and the SNP got a good chunk as well. They got fifty seven. Now the big hit came from the elimination of the Conservatives. There over seven seventeen hundred votes, of which eight hundred of them didn't bother. So they, they they weren't they weren't transferred at all. But then you got eight hundred votes from transferring Tories compared to the SNP's ninety three. So that was a huge block of votes. Then so it, so is that does that I mean in the round does that mean it, this is quite interesting looking forward to May that actually the Lib Dems because the Tories are an absolute 
shambles in Westminster, the, the Lib Dems might capitalise quite a lot in May up in Scotland. Is that your feeling? Um, I think it's difficult to extrapolate what happened locally in a local by-election to what will happen in Holyrood. Um, yeah. I do think there's a slide in the Conservative vote. Uh, well, first of all, the Labour transfer, I got hardly any Labour transfers last time. Mm. So that shows about the recognition in the community stuff. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that I came this time within 70 votes of beating the SNP on first preferences, which was yeah. absolutely fantastic. And it's important to note that whatever your result, that actually you went and earned it. That's it. You worked for it. You, you got the leaflets out. You knocked on doors. You did all the things that all the training says you should do to go out and win. I suppose that's probably your, your lasting message is that, you know, may can be, a, may we can turn, change the narrative. We can, you know, this is, yes, that's right. Start now. No, no, put out, I mean, the knock and drop surveys are great. Um, that was a really good base to start. And we're going to be doing that in other words, starting, I hope this month. Um, you know, but start now, keep going. Buddy up with someone in a neighbouring ward. So, you know, if you think or if you're on your own, go, you know, do a night there and a night there. Um, go out at least twice a week from now until May. It may sound like a lot, but honestly, we were out every night. So don't, it's not a lot. Just go for yeah. it. Um, you know, yeah. you can do it. You can win, but you have you to know. work. And, and a phrase I use a lot is do a little, but do it often. Is yeah. the thing. So, do, if you try and do it, all, if you try and do it all in a week, you'll burn yourself out. Oh. But actually, just by doing a little bit here and there, and it's amazing the coverage you can get. And it's amazing how much of your wards you can cover as well. Yeah, just tell yourself you're going to do an hour. You'll probably do more than an hour if you're on a roll, <laughs> um, and and just keep doing that. Well, like all I can say. So all I was going to say, Liz, is thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate you coming because I know how busy you'll be. You'll be getting all your starter packs and you'll be getting introductions into your council. And I know you've got something on in about in the next half an hour or so. So thank you so, so much. I'm sure the listeners and viewers will absolutely have loved that insight into what you did. I'm just many congratulations. Thank you very much, John. All the best and good luck to everybody for me. Thank you very much uh, to Liz. That was absolutely brilliant and really fascinating insight. And actually... It's you know it's kind of weird over the last few months not having Thursday by-election stats coming in. So that was nice to have them again to be able to look at results and enjoy some Lib Dem successes again. Thank you very much for uh, listening and watching to this episode. You can follow everything to do with the Lib Dem podcast at, at Lib Dem Pod. You can subscribe to us to where you normally get your podcast. You can also listen and watch us on Facebook and on YouTube. So thank you very much again to Liz. Thank you all for watching and listening, and we'll be back with another episode very soon.